Great. So, hi everybody. It's Claire again. Um, we're going to spend about 15 or 20 minutes, depending on what you guys have to say, and I hope you guys have stuff to say, um, with what we call Tell Claire Everything. If you guys recall, if you were here last year, we did this for the first time. We, the intent of this is just to hear from our members in ACB about what's going on. Um, as the advocacy team, Clark and myself, and of course with everybody else in the national office and on the board and the advocacy committee and all the other committees are constantly trying to um, do what we can to advocate for the rights of those of us who are blind or visually impaired. But we need to know what's going on. We, of course, here in our little neck of the woods, but you guys are all over the country and you have different life experiences so as a result, I want to hear from you. What's going on? How can we be helping you? What issues do you think we need to be advocating on? What might be a 2021 imperative? So this is, um, we're turning the mic over to you guys, and I'm going to take notes. I've got my Braille note in front of me. So let, let it out. Claire, What's going this on? is Kim, and I still was sitting here right in with a mic in front of me. I was about <laughs> to get up and go away. But when you said that, I said, oh, I'm going to say one thing to Claire. So I promised someone that I would bring this up as my Tell Claire issue. So my Tell Claire issue on behalf of a member is, do, do you guys all know um, the service called Click, Click and Click and Go? Click and Ship, excuse me, Click and Ship. It's a service from the U.S. Postal Service where you can go online and you can buy postage and you can ship a package and it's all done online so and the service used to be quite accessible and quite usable and then it got a little less accessible and a little less usable and guess what's happened now it's not it's not usable or accessible anymore so so the complaint is it's the u.s postal service shouldn't their service be accessible to us Got it. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. I had heard another postal service issue, so we're keeping a list now. Thank you. And as we have our mic runners okay. go, out, go out into the room, I just want to say last year, um, accessible exercise equipment came up during this session, so that was put back on our radar, as well as um, Medicare covering prosthetic eyes. So, so those, those are still on our radar. So those are on our radar. Um, so yeah, let's have more things like that. Okay, um, Jill Noble from Ohio, and I've done a little bit about this, but um, just kind of want to give you guys a heads up. We were talking about you know the transportation issues, Amtrak, other things. Good old Greyhound. <clears throat> um, the Dayton area, I've been traveling back and forth from... Cleveland, Ohio, to Dayton, Ohio for many years, and they recently moved their bus station, and not only is it not accessible to a blind person to get to the bus um, from the bus station, you have to cross two parking lots, um, not any sidewalks, huge holes in there. I don't see how a person in a wheelchair or using a walker could ever make it there safely either. Um, I contacted Michael Turner's office. I contacted Nan Whalen, who is the mayor of Dayton's office. And I've contacted Greyhound about it. Um, what happened is they had a, an agreement with um, the RTA system in Dayton. 
and that agreement wasn't renewed to share their location. And so they put it in an old CheckSmart um, building, um, which, like I said, that building itself is not accessible or either getting to a bus is not accessible. So just some ideas about that, as well as um, lately, um, you know, the person who mentioned Amtrak in North Dakota, um, uh, Greyhound is one of the only games in town to get, you know, from one part of the state to the other. Um, and it now has been taking me, and I'd probably say this has really, really gotten worse over the last three or four years, um, 10 to 12 hours to get from Cleveland to Dayton and, or, and back. And it's only a three-hour trip by car. And to fly there, you, there's not any direct flights. So it's really... You know, it's crazy. It's just crazy. And Greyhound is only getting worse. It's like, who, you know, who do you contact for monitoring them? That's part of my question. Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, just to let you guys know, I know you guys all have a lot of struggles, and I know we could vent about it for hours, but we just want to get as many ideas out there. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Claire, uh, Ray Campbell here. I'm tell you this one, but I think it's something we all should be aware of, in, especially in larger areas where the taxi cab lobbies are kind of strong. In Chicago recently, they have, to help, help with their budget, they put some pretty onerous taxes on rideshare services in the city. I have heard uh, actually from drivers that uh, they're, and, and they're, they're going to not serve, no, do provide as much service in the underserved communities because of this. Mm. Uh, so I think all of us and, and you guys, uh, you know, maybe at the national level also need to be aware that of the, the way that tax policy can affect our ability to get around and stuff like that. And not putting the same rules on taxi cabs, but they're putting them on mm. uh, ride share and uh, that. Um, the uh, second uh, issue is. Um, uh, that I wanted to bring up is uh, also around rideshare, and that is I'd like to see us, um, and this maybe has to be done at the affiliate and chapter level more, um, put some more consistent um, and, and more easily t- to find where the pickup areas are for rideshare. For example, Chicago Union Station, it keeps moving around, and that it's and and you have to cross the middle of the street and it's not traffic controlled and uh, we'd like to, I'd like to see us uh, work towards and maybe at the fill chapter level um, on making that a little bit more uniform and consistent and easy to find. Great. And I, just as a plug, I love hearing that you say on a local level we definitely want to help in the national office, but we always encourage state affiliates to be advocating too. But thank you. This is Alice Richard, and I'm going to be short and sweet. <laughs> At one time, ACB was helping with Publix with, with prescription labeling, or made the attempt to help with prescription labeling and Internet access. It's gotten worse, not better, and because they didn't want to do structured negotiations, we seem to have just dropped it. But yet Publix is going into more and more places, and where they're at, I still need to be able to access it. So I'd like to see something happening with that. Got it. Thank you, Alice. And this is Clark. Dan and I just had a conversation about Publix with one of our speakers earlier today. So thanks for bringing that up. 
This is Kenneth Simeon Sr. from Texas. Uh, go, let's go back to United States Postal Service. They offer a great service that I, I like. Uh, it's informed delivery where you would uh, know how many pieces will, of mail will be coming to your home on a given day. And you can know in advance uh, to check your mail or you don't, whether you don't even have to check your mail, oh, wow. depending on how you receive it. But lately, it, it used to read and tell you what was there, but now it's not. But it does say you have three pieces, you know, uh, by using voiceover on my iPhone. But uh, I believe that should be considered when you're looking at other things about the United States Postal Service. Got it. Hi, Gabriel Lopez Cafati from Miami, Florida. I believe this is something you may be addressing already, um, Quest Diagnostics. We are indeed working on that. Okay, yes, because the only way you can check in now is through the inaccessible tablet. And um, I'm from a part of Miami where um, I go to my local Quest where there's a whole bunch of older Cuban ladies who hang out at, 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 at medical offices and they trip over themselves to help me, but I do not <laughs> feel comfortable giving my date of birth, address, phone number, and any other medical condition that I need to disclose to anyone else. So I, I know you're... I can tell you, we won't uh, say everything right now because it's in the legal processes, but Matt Handley, one of the attorneys who spoke today, is working on it. He's been great, and it is moving along. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, I would. Thank you. This is Margie Donovan from California, and I would love to see the national office address patient portals. I have three different patient portals that are totally inaccessible, and it's my thinking that if they take Medicare, they're in violation of 508. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was asked which ones. Does anybody have specific example? I can guess, but... Epic. Epic, yep, that's what I thought. And then also with medical forms, like if you have to have a test run or something, and there's, there's instructions to have that test run. Mm -hmm. They hand you a bunch of printed material. I've actually refused to have a test done before. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, that's just wrong. Oh, yeah. So medical information being you know, provided in an accessible format so you know what to do. Yep. Thank you. Running across the room. Okay. Thanks. Um, uh, like Kaiser Permanente is a nationwide service, except it's not quite nationwide. Um, I know that you know Mitch has said for a while that he gets his medications, you know, with pre uh, pres uh, accessible pre uh, prescription uh, information. Uh, I belong to Kaiser in the Mid-Atlantic region, and I keep asking and asking, and they don't have it yet. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. <laughs> and I was wondering, uh, you know, I mean, the precedent has always already been set. So my question is, how do we get Mid-Atlantic to, you know, to talk to California and figure out what the hell they're doing? Sorry, Charlotte, will you please say that on a microphone? Yes. <laughs> this, go 
goes for Kaiser Permanente and any other pharmacy. L call and let us know who you are, what pharmacy you're interested in or that you're waiting on. We keep track so that when we reach check back with them, we say, okay, now we have this many people that are waiting for the service. Now we have this many. Now we have this many. So we keep them informed and keep put putting the pressure on. I know that Amanda is working with that contract on Kaiser. They're these big companies that takes a long time. But the more people that we know, the, the easier it is for us to put the pressure on them. And also, then we know to follow up with you as soon as it is up and running. Great. Thank you, Sharla. Hi, I have, I have a couple things. Um, a couple friends of mine have told me there are a few buildings now that have elevators with only touch screens, mm -hmm. no buttons at all. The other thing is um, the shuttle driver at my condo said there's a bank now. Luckily, I'm not a member, but the security guard just stands outside of it, and inside is simply all kiosks. Do you know what bank that is? Bank of America, he said. Okay. Again, I can't, I can't verify that, but I said, are you sure? He said, nobody's in the bank. The guard just stands there and lets people in, and it's all kiosk. That's what he said. Again, I, I can't verify it, but I hope this doesn't happen. What town is it in our city? Uh, Alexandria. And do you know, are they AT accessible ATMs, or they're just touch? I, I don't go to that bank. Okay. Um, but it's over in Bradley if you want to. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll, we'll investigate. Thank you. We have about five more minutes to tell Claire everything. Claire, it's Connie Sims. Hi, Claire. Um, so when you talked about touch, touch screens, it reminded me of a couple things. We have been discussing this with our state agency too, but a lot of the vending machines mm -hmm. that are all across the country are all touch screens, but... Um, one of our members works for an international company, and all of their cafeterias now are just all touch, and they are not willing to accommodate and pay or help her with anything. Do you know the name of the business? Citibank. Citibank. Or Citicorp. Okay, this is Artis Bazin. I want to um, mention something with Amtrak. Um, I know when you go online to book a ticket, if you have two of you that are disabled, you cannot mark both of them as disabled. You could put one as a senior and one as disabled, but you can't put two of them as disabled. It won't allow you to. Interesting. And then uh, Gabe had a thing about Amtrak too. Hi, Claire. I think we've talked about this before, but um, on the Amtrak app, uh, as Artis was saying, if you go on the website, you can purchase a one disabled ticket, but on the app, I still can't do that. Also, if I'm trying to check my um, train status on the app, I have to put in the from and to cities. If I know the train number and try putting it in, it just doesn't do anything. So the, app's, the app is pretty good, but still needs a little bit of work. 
And anytime you guys have Amtrak issues, of course, tell us all your issues all, anytime. But Amtrak specifically, like I've mentioned before, we have a standing meeting with them. And I know the uh, ADA guy personally, and I love to shoot him emails with concerns. So feel free to always email them to me, and we get them to him immediately. <laughs> so. Do we have time for Yeah, We have about two more minutes. Yeah, two, three minutes. Okay. Catherine Rutledge from Austin, Texas, and I have a different perspective on Amtrak. Mm -hmm. My sister and I traveled last summer all over the United States, and I made the reservations for us. I got on in Austin. She got on in Longview, Texas. We were both blind. They knew we were both blind, and I did deal through the Amtrak uh, reservation person. But we went to uh, from, well, I went from here to Longview, and then we went to St. Louis, and then to Independence, Missouri, and then to Chicago, and then to Denver, and then to, uh, well, came back through Chicago and went to uh, Cape Cod and to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then back to Chicago and back home from there. And because we had a sleeper cat. We, we got you. <laughs> okay, but we got very good service all the way. They good. took care of us. And I, I would recommend traveling with them from anybody. But and because we had a sleeper uh, tr accommodations, when we got to Chicago and there was flooding in St. Louis, we couldn't go on home from there, so they put us up for two nights in the hotel. But I was able to make reservations by phone and say that we were both blind and to get the accommodations for that all the way. Gotcha. Thank you. Hi, this is Mikey Wiseman. I, um, I'm just wondering what our relationship is with APD. I, I just hear for persons with disabilities who d seems to forget blind people. I'm just wondering if there ever if there's a conversation to have them change their names so it's a little bit more demonstrative of the people that they serve. It's um, it's concerning to me that that type of agency and that federal dollars through the Transportation Disadvantage Committee is funding actual programs which, in essence, discriminate people who are blind and visually impaired and building systems and testing out systems that leave us out of the loop. Just to clarify, do you mean AAPD, the American Association of People with Disabilities? In Florida, we just call it APD, so yeah, I guess it is. Okay. Um, Maybe we can talk offline just to make sure they're not two separate systems. If it is AAPD at the national level, we do meet with Maria Town is the new president or CEO, whatever her title is. Um, we do have a relationship with her, and if we want to improve that, I'd be happy to talk to her and we can work on that. But let's touch base offline just to make sure Florida and national aren't two separate things. We've got two more hands raised, Claire. Do we have yep. enough time? We can definitely do two more. Uh, this is Chris Hunsinger. This is a little bit frivolous. But That's a couple okay. weeks ago, when, when QVC updated its iPhone app, um, the uh, first screen that comes up is, I, all I can see is the status bar on my phone. I can take a screenshot of it, and I know there is text under there if I then send it to my, uh, send it to my, um, you know, like voice stream, uh, voice stream scanner, but I can't do anything with it. And when I called QVC about it, I got a, well, we'll tell somebody. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I feel like we've had uh, resolutions in past years on QVC, so we will definitely look back into that. And uh, yeah, we've had resolutions, so thank you. So I go to a lot of fast food restaurants, unfortunately, and um, 
Carl. <laughs> well, that's why I'm a big guy, you know. But one of the in the last 30 days, I've seen Panera, McDonald's, and Burger King all have touchscreen kiosks. Mm. And while there usually is help, once or twice, they did not want to mm. do it until I started screaming at the top of my lungs saying, you've got to, you know, take my order. So it, that's just something I'm seeing um, more and more kiosks at more and more restaurants. Carl, I heard Panera, McDonald's. What was the third one? Burger King. Burger King, thank you. I've been in all three, and they all three had electronic kiosks. Did someone say another one? Okay, gotcha. I got the three down. Cool, thank you. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but I will be here afterwards, so you can always come and grab me. And as always, you can email Clark and myself with issues. Thank you all for raising these issues. Any issues similar to these, you can always email us at advocacy at acb.org as well. All right. So we don't, we don't want to keep you all here too long. We just want to go over what to expect tomorrow. So tomorrow we'll all get up, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, have a great breakfast. I, I, the breakfast I had here at the hotel was pretty good anyway. I hope it is good for everyone. Um, and then everyone will have the Uber promo code locked and loaded in their phones. ACB staff and volunteers will be available to help people find their rides up to the hill when they show up. And if you're all going up in a delegation, you know, share rides. Make, make those codes last longer. Um, in preparation for tomorrow, uh, we do have printouts in large print and braille um, of the imperative backgrounders. You know, those are the, the three issues that we have as imperatives this year. I know many of you will have other issues that you're taking up, and you may want to speak to other issues that presenters touched on today. Um, but we do have the large print and braille for those imperatives, as well as a print copies of the Hill Leave Behind, which is intended for the Hill staff. And that's a one-pager that has a real brief synopsis of the three imperatives and the American Council of the Blind and contact information for the national office staff. That is what is in. Good question. Do we have? We will. Yes, let's. May we have Sharon, please? Yes. Um, in addition, all of these materials for this week and for the Hill Day tomorrow are available on the ACB website. So if you would like to have electronic copies of these materials and you'd like that handy on um, you know, a note taker, uh, a digital e-reader, or a smartphone or tablet, you can have them all right there at the ready as well. We are getting Sharon Lovering in here, and she will be able to. She's right here. Sharon Lovering, everybody. Woo! Sharon? Yeah? Um, what is in your packets? 
I have the hill drop sheets in my hot little hands up here at the front of the room at the head desk. <coughs> um, you, yes. Ohio, um, Vicki and Jill, Vicki and Karen have all the ones Ohio needs. In the packets that you got, you had the two agendas, the three backgrounders, and a copy of this very hill drop. These that I have in my hand are on cardstock. These are the ones you give to your uh, Congress people or their legislative aides. Tomorrow, I will have on the Hill the feedback forms. You're, we're going to say it many times, but you're yes. going to fill out those feedback forms. We're going to have volunteers in Rayburn Cafeteria to help you fill out those forms. We have electronic copy of them on the website that you can fill out, but you are going to fill out all those forms. <laughs> yes. So, and again, coordinate with your affiliates so that, you know, if you've got six people from your state, not everyone is picking up a hill drop form for each meeting. So coordinate, take the forms that you need. Again, the, the Hill feedback forms are available on the ACB website for the, under the link for the DC leadership meetings. You can fill them out electronically and email them to Claire and me, or you can have the assistance of a volunteer fill out the paper form and leave that with ACB staff in the Rayburn cafeteria tomorrow. Another thing we're asking for as it pertains to your visits, uh, we want cards from all of the staffers that you meet with. We believe it'll be the best and easiest and most efficient way to collect the contact information for the staffers. And I guarantee they'll offer them to you. But if they don't, just in case, grab a couple of business cards from each staffer you meet with. Uh, feel free to grab one for yourself if you'd like to keep it, which is a great thing to do. But if nothing else, grab one for us in the national office. And when you come to check in with us before you leave on the Hill, give it to us. And that gives you a great opportunity to sit down with the volunteer and fill out a feedback form. Yes, and we definitely recommend picking up two cards, one for the national office and one for yourself, so you can continue to build those relationships. You know, it's... It takes more than one meeting with a member or their staff to build that relationship to become a trusted constituent voice on an issue. Um, so we will do our best to do that at the national office, but we need your help to do that on the, the state level as well. There's a question. Can someone own on a mic? We, we have a few questions. I'm running around okay. with a mic. Do you guys mind if we go through with some more information to see if we answer your questions? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. So again, the, the rally room or meeting point will be in the cafeteria of the Rayburn House office building. And that is, uh, I believe it is the first floor or the zero level, formerly the basement, but the zero level of Rayburn. Um, it is on the same level as the entrance from Independence Avenue. And we will meet at the end of the cafeteria near the and pizza um, so you can meet there in the morning and pick up the hill feedback form meet volunteers and also touch base with us there either at lunch or in the afternoon 
before you leave Capitol Hill to drop off those business cards and fill out those Hill feedback forms. When you meet us in Rayburn, if you need a volunteer to help you find your um, offices of your representatives, that's where you will have our, our home base to get that that, rep- or that uh, volunteer. Excuse me. So if you need help getting around, you have to come and find us in Rayburn to get a volunteer. So that's where we'll be camped out, like Clark said. However, as we've mentioned, our wonderful sponsor, Ira, has lit up the entire Capitol Hill. So we'd really, really encourage people, if you're an avid Ira user, if you feel confident, please use Ira to get around. I've done it many times myself. They're extremely helpful. I've I've always found where I need to go, and that'll free up some volunteers if you're an avid Ibra user. And you can always ask the office with whom you're meeting if there's someone that could help assist you get to your next meeting. Yes. If there is not a volunteer or you're not an Ibra user. Yes, they um, almost always have college interns who are more than willing to help you. Um, we just wanted to give you a little background on who you might be meeting with. Just You guys are all avid, well-experienced, well weathered advocates, but just in case, we just wanted to let you guys know you could be meeting with a whole myriad of different people. You might be, me, be meeting with an 18-year-old intern. I was once that intern. You might be meeting with an 80-year-old, well, well-weathered Congress member. So just know you could be meeting with any level of person, the Congress member themselves, more likely one of their staffers, but take it seriously no matter what. You know, we are so fortunate to have the ear of that Congress office. So, you know, be excited, but just know you could be meeting with many different variations of people. And today's intern is tomorrow's legislative aide. That's right. Is, ne- is next week's legislative director and is next Congress's, you know, freshman member. So, and again, as you're filling out those feedback forms, be sure to let us know how the meeting went. Let us know if the, the folks that you met with, if they were engaged, if they asked insightful follow-up questions. But also let us know if you thought that they were answering email the entire time. You know, yeah. all, all that feedback is important as we try to work with the offices and find partners to collaborate with on these issues. When you fill out your forms, more information than less information is helpful. So feel free to write us a novel. We have no problem reading that afterwards. So more information, the better. Okay, questions. Yes. Uh, Sharon, Sharon has a whole plethora of them. Um, she can no, have, I don't. No, you don't have them on they are at the office today. They will be at the Hill tomorrow. So even I only have reason, two hands, no? You have to <laughs> come to Rayburn. You cannot not come to Rayburn. Thanks, Sharon. Or, or do it online. Or um, do it online. Clark, Clark and Claire, I'm, I'm going to, this is Ray Kim. I'm going to ask my usual question that I asked because it hasn't been answered yet, and we Uh-oh. sometimes get asked. Well, NFB was here about three weeks <laughs> ago. What did they talk about in case we're asked about those issues? You know, in general, I would say they talked about the same issues that blind people face throughout the country, access to information, access to transportation, and access to services. Specifically, I think they spoke about um, some of the legislation that they have had introduced this Congress, bills that they've been working on for quite some time. You know, uh, we are working with the the Schools for the Blind, and Barbara Raimondo, who spoke earlier on the Cogswell-Macy Act. Uh, one of their issues is the AIM High Act um, for 
higher education, second, post-secondary education. Um, we're working on issues specific to digital access for medical equipment, for exercise and fitness equipment. They have a single bill where they threw everything into the bucket together. They call it so, the GAIN Act. Yes, so different approaches, but all trying to accomplish the same thing. And that's so that people who are blind can live independently and successfully in the community. Becky, I see you at the back. I'll get you after Alan. Oh, Ray beat me to this question about the <laughs> Federation, but I do have uh, Braille form raffle tickets to sell <laughs> <laughs> for the low, low price of $50. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, five of you could go together on, uh, and buy a single ticket, uh, each paying $10 a piece. So uh, see me? I got a lot of tickets. I got 99 left. <laughs> Alan, let us know how many you sell on the Hill tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Becky Davidson. I just have a comment because I found this helpful when we were doing this stuff in New York State back in the day. Um, and one of the things that we always told people, especially first-timers, was to be polite, be respectful, but remember, these people work for us, not the other way around. Yep. Yes. You are all the experts on you. Any other questions? Yep, this is Mikey. Uh, we have a very large team, and we're very organized, uh, as we are every year, and we're split up by buildings. Um, there's actually no need for a significant number of our team to go to Rayborn. Is there, you're welcome folks, I'll always ask the hard question. Um, is there any alternative to going there tomorrow to get the feedback forms? Can we get some here or can we print them here for us? Like we said, the feedback forms will be online. So you can get them off of acb.org. They are already there. There. However, if possible, if you could send one person with business cards, we would love you forever. I understand we, we, if it's absolutely impossible, but if possible. Well, we will, we will mail them okay. to you when we have our postmortem. Okay. But you're going to fill out the forms, right? Well, we always do. Okay, well, hello, you're checking. talking to Florida. <laughs> just checking. So, so yes, if... If you have folks who are unable to return to Rayburn for whatever reason, you know, if, if folks have a flight and they have to head straight to the airport, stuff happens, please mail or scan and email the business cards. Please fill out electronically the feedback form or fill out print and fill out it in paper and mail it to us at the national office. The important thing is that by hook or by crook, we get those feedback forms. I like it. If you have the chance, so please do come by Rayburn just to say hi. It's, you know, it's a day we want to encourage each other and fire everybody up. So, if, you know, if you if you one cohort is in Rayburn, come on over and say hi. This is Ann Pimley from Ohio, and my question is: Tomorrow it's supposed to rain. Can we take umbrellas into the offices? Yes, of Pass security? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah. Oh. How often do you recommend 
communicating with the legislative aide that you meet with tomorrow over the year? So that's a good question. There's definitely a lot of different practices that could be out there. I at least initially always will immediately send a thank you follow-up email afterwards. So whether it's tomorrow night or Wednesday, that's the day after tomorrow, I would send a thank you email and just say thank you so much. If you guys talked about a specific issue that is, you know, actually active, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks email, but then, you know, I would do it periodically. Um, If things come up though, always email them, you know, keep an eye out on bills that are out there, obviously the imperatives that we talked about, but other issues that might impact the blind community or impact other issues you care about. And I would respond and send emails from time to time, but definitely do an immediate email and then maybe one in a couple of weeks. And from there, just kind of, uh, you know, measure what's going on. Yeah. An immediate thank you is always a, a best practice. And then like Claire says, it, it depends on the, the low vision bill where there is a bill number in the house and we are actively pursuing a bipartisan bill introduction in the Senate. Um, you can follow up after your thank you. Give it two weeks. If you don't see that representative listed as a co-sponsor, send them another email. If another two weeks go by and you don't see him as a co-sponsor, get in touch with them again. It's, you know, it's okay to, to kind of hold their feet to the fire when there's a pressing matter. But when it's something like the, the surface transportation bill where we're still waiting to have items introduced and see the language. You know, there, after the thank you, like Claire said, um, keep a dialogue open with them on other issues. But then once we have the, the bill being introduced, that's when we'll want to definitely reconnect with those members and staff. And if they just give you a, a more broad business card with the Congress members' contact information and not the staffer specific information, and you'd like to email that specific staffer, which I think is a lot more beneficial sometimes, you can always reach out to Clark or myself. We are very fortunate to have access to the database of their email addresses, so they can't get away from us. <laughs> Hi, this is Bob Shangleton. This is my first time doing this, and... Um, Thank you. Since it was mentioned that NFB was here recently, is there a can the answer if the person that we meet with confuses ACB with NFB? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like most other situations, just, you know, be polite, be respectful, and be honest. You know, remind them who you are, where you're from, and the organization that you're with, and the items that you're there to talk about. So you can, you know, it is totally appropriate to acknowledge the existence of NFB, but then, you know, say, yep, I heard that NFB was up here. I'm actually with the American Council of the Blind, and here's who we are, and here are the issues that are important to us. All right, everyone. I know we kept you longer here than in years past for the legislative seminar, but we're actually letting, gonna let you out close to 10 minutes early. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us for the programming today. These, you know, we'll be around here in the room as well as in the lobby here for a little while. So if you have any last minute items or follow up, you can find Claire or me.
think Sharon uh, went back into the hall. I think Sharon is in the hall at, at the, one of, like, the registration at the tables. registration table. All right. And folks, have a great day on the hill tomorrow.